This program provides education, not advice. Sponsors pay a fee for endorsements and interviews. See the truthayf.com disclosure page for details. This is where technology, innovation, and personal finance come together. This is the truth about your future with Rick Edelman. Brought to you by Global X ETFs, dedicated to providing investors with unexplored intelligent solutions. And by Invesco QQQ. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ, Invesco Distributors, Inc., and by Presidio, offering a digital vault where you can collect, protect, and share all your important people, places, things, and documents with all the key people in your life. Start for free at Presidio.com. It's Friday, October 27th. Coming up on today's show, the state of retirement across the country. And have you ever heard of HODL, H-O-D-L? And I need to mention a pet peeve. I'm in my 60s now. I have an increasing number of friends and family members who are losing their hearing. They won't get a hearing aid. Why not? They've all got eyeglasses. Why is there still a stigma that getting a hearing aid makes you look old? Frankly, I'm tired of having to yell to get you to hear me. I'm tired of you constantly saying, what? Look, if a hearing aid won't work for you, great, I get it, and sorry to hear it, a uh, bad pun. I'm sorry you have that issue. But if you've never even had a hearing test, if you've never even tried a hearing aid, well, that's just obstinate. Knock it off. The problem with hearing loss is that you don't know you have a hearing loss. You don't know what you're not hearing. With eyesight, you know if you can't read the paper or if the road sign is blurry or if you have trouble reading a restaurant menu in low light. But with sound, if it's not there, you don't know that it is there. So here's a clue. Are you often saying, what? Is your spouse always telling you to turn the TV volume lower? You've got a hearing problem. I've been wearing a hearing aid for more than 20 years. The technology is amazing. These things sit inside your ear. Hard, if not impossible, for anyone to see it. Some of these are programmable, so you can tweak them based on your environment. A loud cocktail party or a Broadway show... Some have Bluetooth, so you can make phone calls with it. And yet, less than 25% of the people who would benefit from a hearing aid use them. Look, do you need motivation? Do you need a reason? Do you need persuasion on why you need to wear a hearing aid? Well, get this. Wearing a hearing aid might lower your risk of getting Alzheimer's disease. A new study says that people with hearing loss are more likely to develop dementia and the likelihood increases with the severity of the loss. At the annual meeting of the Alzheimer's Association, Frank Lynn, an otolaryngologist and director of the Cochlear Center for Hearing and Public Health at Johns Hopkins University, yeah, that's a mouthful, he revealed the results of the first-ever study of a 1,000 adults between ages 70 and 84 who have untreated hearing loss. They studied them for three years, and found out that those who are at higher risk of dementia who got hearing aids had a 48% reduction in cognitive impairment. It turns out that when hearing loss is not treated, the brain changes to accommodate the problem. More of the brain gets focused on hearing things, and this depletes cognitive reserves. The result? You're more likely to get dementia. So don't make me yell at you. Get a hearing aid. Coming up next, a conversation with Dan Doonan of the National Institute on Retirement Security. 
landmark infrastructure legislation was passed in the last Congress. Now comes the work of getting it built. The GlobalX U.S. Infrastructure Development ETF, ticker PAVE, invests in dozens of companies helping shape the future of American infrastructure. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Investments in infrastructure-related companies have greater exposure to the potential adverse economic, regulatory, political, and other changes affecting such entities. Before investing, carefully consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman is brought to you by Schwab. You want control of your financial future, and Schwab knows that. That's why when it comes to managing your wealth, Schwab gives you more choices, like full-service wealth management and advice when you need it most. You can also invest on your own and trade on Thinkorswim, the powerful award-winning trading platforms. Plus, you'll get low costs, transparent pricing, and 24-7 live help. Because Schwab understands it's your financial journey, and they believe you should have choices in how you invest. Visit schwab.com to learn more. You're listening to The Truth About Your Future. This is a podcast, as you know, that retirement is a major theme because if we're talking about your future, that means we're talking about your retirement. And you'll be happy to know that there is a National Institute on Retirement Security. I'm very happy to welcome to the program Dan Doonan. He is the executive director of the NIRS. Dan, welcome to the program. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. It's, it's a real pleasure. So I am glad that there is a National Institute on Retirement Security. But before I ask you to tell us the state of retirement in America, tell us about the Institute. So NERS is a nonprofit, nonpartisan research organization, sort of a think tank on retirement. Uh, we are a membership organization, and we've been around since 2007. You know, we broadly would like to see our retirement system be more user-friendly, more efficient, and make sure that everybody has access so they can get on track and be self-sufficient in their golden years. So more effective, more efficient, making it easier for everybody to achieve retirement security. How are we doing? Well, it's a rather complicated system, isn't it? The way I see it, I think retirement in the U.S. is a very piecemeal system. You have Social Security, pensions, 401ks, IRAs, all sorts of other vehicles as well with different limitations and tax treatment. I think having a lot of our retirement system run through employers makes it more efficient. But it also adds complexity, including rollovers, leakage, and, and those um, sorts of things. Well, but it also creates one other major problem. It predicates the whole retirement savings capability on the fact that you have a job. The fact that our retirement system is largely workplace-based. If you're not working, you're not contributing to Social Security. If you don't work with an employer that offers a 401k or other retirement plan, you're not able to participate in the plan and so on and so forth. So that itself, I think, is a bit of an obstacle for millions, tens of millions of Americans, either who don't work or who don't work for an employer who offers a plan. Yeah, there's two real areas that I think we could really make massive improvements. You know, first, about half of workers don't participate in a workplace plan. A lot of times it's just not offered. We know people are far, far more likely to save money if, if they can do so through work. And the second area, I think we have to solve the post-retirement challenge. Um, annuities are expensive. When you hit retirement, it's normal to walk away from a plan with fiduciary protections. And now you're on your own trying to manage a spend down that's really challenging. 
And we know a lot of people don't have advisors, right? A lot of people don't use a financial advisor. So they're now taking on this challenge um, in retirement on their own. And so let's really talk about this because there are um, three major elements and it's worth breaking it down one by one. Social security, uh, 401k, IRA kind of plans, and then pension plans. Let's talk about social security first. There's been a huge amount of conversation, especially on this show, about the fact that the social security trust fund is going broke, uh, projected in the next eight years or so that it's going to be running out of money, which means social security benefits going to get cut by 23, 25% if Congress takes no action. What's your view? What's the advice you give to consumers about social security? It's incredibly important to our seniors. You got about 60 million people relying on social security. I don't think benefit cuts will be allowed to go into effect. I think there'll be a lot of political pressure to work this out. And I'm not encouraged that a lot of things get pushed to the last minute because it's certainly important. But do you expect, politically speaking, that it's likely the Congress will wait until 2030, 2031, 2032 to finally fix it as opposed to fixing it now years in advance? With Social Security, it's a challenge. It's going to be a challenge to come to an agreement, um, and it probably won't make everybody happy. The second piece is the ordinary retirement savings accounts, 401k, 403b, the thrift savings plan if you're a federal employee, and programs of that sort. Uh, There was a major piece of legislation that Congress passed last year, the Secure 2.0 Act, which had major changes for the way these plans operate. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the major changes and if you think you like them. Yeah. I look at this as modest but meaningful progress. Auto enrollment is becoming more and more acceptable and normalized auto escalate. So if you're contributing a little bit, it will go up. Better defaults. You know, when I started working, everybody was going into like treasury funds. If you're in your 20s, that's really not an appropriate investment. The part that disappoints me is, again, half of workers don't have access to a plan. They're not participating in a plan at work. And they're mostly being ignored. I think it's great that we're improving the system, but we're not expanding the access as much as I think we really need to. If that's the case, Dan, if this new legislation and the rules that currently exist are not really addressing the needs of all Americans, I guess that kind of means we need to take our own self-initiative. If it's not being handed to us as a solution by our employer, for example, then we need to, instead of sitting back and lamenting that, we need to be as proactive as possible. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And we know people are about 15, 16 times more likely to save if it's easy, it's frictionless through the workplace. You know, when you look at the tax advantages of retirement saving, given all the changes to the tax code, there's a lot of people that don't get a lot of tax benefit by saving because they're not in a high marginal tax rate. 90% of the tax benefits are going to the top 30%. Uh, So the savers credit fills that gap, incentivizes retirement saving in the middle class, lower middle class. Um, So we're excited that that was improved. Uh, The utilization of it has been fairly low. Uh, where you have to know about it and claim it on your taxes and those sorts of things. But we have state-run retirement systems that are stepping in where employers are not offering a plan. You do have some states saying, okay, we're going to just start doing this, default you in. I'm hopeful over time that the savers credit can be uh, incorporated or sort of informational, provide information so people take advantage of that. 
And, you know, that will help strengthen savings in the middle and lower half. Well, let's talk about that a little further then. If you're saying that the saver's credit is not really being used by all that large number of Americans because they're not familiar with it, let's try to help them get familiar. So talk about what exactly is the saver's credit, how it works, who's eligible for it. There's income limits for the claiming the saver's credit. In the past, uh, it was not refundable, meaning if you had no tax liability, you didn't get the benefit. Uh, Secure 2.0 did make it refundable. So that brings in more people that would have access to that, you know, get a benefit for saving for retirement. And the third area of retirement savings are pension plans. These used to be all the rage. Pretty much every worker everywhere used to get them. That is not at all the case today. In the private sector, less than 17% of workers are eligible for a pension program. Do pensions really still matter today? Yeah, it's still a very large and relevant industry. Uh, pension funds have over $10 trillion in assets and pay out benefits of about over $600 billion. Many industries still offer plans. Certainly the public sector does keep offering pensions. Corporations should take another look at pensions. I think there's more creativity and more options available. And so we like to say there's, you know, not all pensions are your father's or grandfather's DB plan anymore. Well, one of the fundamental assumptions of a pension is that you're going to pay into it or the employer will pay into it on your behalf throughout your working career. That made sense when you were with a given employer for your whole career. But today, people tend to change jobs every two, three, four, five years. So how does a pension work when you have such a high degree of job mobility? I think on some level, it's a chicken and an egg argument, right? Um, The incentives have changed in the workplace. The behavior has changed. Some firms are less interested in career employment. You know, there are different types of jobs and different tools for incentivizing different behaviors. Yeah, you know, that makes perfect sense. Firefighters, police officers, civic workers, these are folks who are career employees, and pensions are a hugely uh, important element of what they do. Also true of unions, where you may change employers, but you're staying with the union throughout your career. And that pension is incredibly important to them. Uh, And most folks, from my experience as a financial advisor, most folks who reach retirement who are entitled to a pension are largely depending on that pension to provide them with retirement security. It's really hard to overstate the importance of that pension delivering on its promises. We're talking with Dan Doonan, the executive director of the National Institute on Retirement Security. When we talk about pensions, we're normally talking about them at the individual level. How important is your pension to you? But let me turn it upside down. How important are pensions to the overall U.S. economy? Very relevant to our seniors and our economy. In 2020, there's over $600 billion in benefit payments that were made. Uh, that supported $1.3 trillion in economic activity, almost 7 million jobs, and sent tax revenues back to the federal, state, and local governments of almost $160 billion. So, you know, when you have $10 trillion in an accounts to be paid out over time, yeah, it's certainly you see less poverty when you, people have pensions. These dollars get spent in our communities. About a quarter of benefit payments in public plans come from taxpayers. A large majority of it come from the investment returns. So you've mentioned some pretty amazing statistics on the economic impact of pensions as that money is distributed throughout uh, communities and throughout the economy. 
I, I have to assume there's a difference, though, in the economic impact of pension distribution in urban areas versus rural areas. Is that the case? It is. And we did some work in this area. There's always a perception that all the benefit dollars are going to the big cities. And there are a lot of dollars going to the cities. So we, we looked at plans in 43 states, over 2,900 counties. And you know what we found, we, we really measured the percentage of people receiving benefits in these counties, benefit payments as a share of GDP and personal income. And then we classified the counties as rural micropolitan, which you can think of as a county with a small town, and metropolitan, where it's a larger city in the county. And we found that rural counties had the largest share of beneficiaries of the population and metropolitan like large cities. There's just a lot of economic activity in large cities. So, and then in personal income, both small town and rural counties uh, received more benefits relative to their personal income in the county. You know, all, all small counties have a police force, firefighters, teachers, and, and workers like that. You, it does sort of line up with what we would expect to see. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. All those small towns have the civic workers, but not necessarily an office by Google or Amazon, like the big cities would have. What do you see coming ahead for the landscape of retirement security? Do you see America's retirement readiness improving, getting worse? So I I think the challenge of retirement security is getting steeper in terms of we're living longer, Health costs are outpacing wages still. You know, that's a challenge. But I think we're doing a better job policy-wise. We're making 401ks more user-friendly. At the same time, pensions are trying to get more of the cost stability in terms of uh, what defined contributions really offers. I think the pension industry has done a lot of work figuring out how to offer pensions without cost problems. So, you know, I think Everybody's kind of been honest about their, their strengths and weaknesses, and they're trying to address the weaknesses. So I think that's positive. Again, the lack of pulling in more people so they have access to saving in an easy way, I think, is the big challenge. So what's your final takeaway? What's the message you wish everybody heard about the subject of retirement security? It's an investment in our future. The country is going to have more retirees relative to workers in the future. I think we all have an incentive to make sure everybody's on track to be more uh, financially self-sufficient. The National Institute on Retirement Security has a wealth of research and information. I encourage you to check out their site. It's at nirsonline.org. Dan Doonan, Executive Director of the National Institute on Retirement Security. Thanks so much for being with us on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. Coming up next, FinTech. Stay with us for more on the truth about your future. Support for Rick Edelman's podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Meet Henry, an everyday person who enjoys reading science fiction, keeping in shape at the gym, and spending time with family. He also participates in progress by investing in a fund that supports innovative ideas. Invesco QQQ ETF allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100, so you don't have to be a rocket scientist to help push progress forward. Anyone can become an agent of innovation. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ.
There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETFs risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, carefully read and consider fund investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in prospectus at Invesco.com. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Looking to add AI to your portfolio? Consider the Global X Robotics and Artificial Intelligence ETF, ticker BOTZ. This ETF invests in companies harnessing robotics and AI disruption across a range of sectors like industrials, healthcare, and more. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing, carefully consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. Thanks for sticking around with us here on The Truth About Your Future. Have you ever heard of HODL? It's a term used by the crypto community, and it's worth knowing about. HODL, H-O-D-L. It means hold for dear life. The story is that somebody in crypto was sending an email to somebody else in crypto talking about their tendency to hold on, and this person just mistyped the word. Instead of saying hold for dear life, it came out HODL, and that caught on and became an acronym, hold for dear life. It's a way of saying that people are long-term investors when buying crypto. They're not short-term day traders. They're not trying to make a quick buck and a get-rich-quick scheme. They are investing as part of a long-term investment strategy, the same way you do with stocks and bonds and real estate. It's also related to another phrase in crypto called diamond hands. Diamonds are forever. So is crypto. All this means you really don't need to be scared of crypto or of any financial innovation. Instead, you need to make sure that your clients are capitalizing on it. That's why I spend a lot of my time focusing on fintech, financial technology, the use of technology by financial services companies to improve the products and services that they provide their customers. Robo-advisors, payment apps, peer-to-peer lending apps, investment apps, crypto apps, all of these are fintech, and you see it everywhere. In education, retail banking, fundraising, by nonprofits, there are payments as a service, PayPal, Stripe, and Square, banking as a service, checking and savings accounts, debit cards, InsureTech as a service, insurance products, claim processing, risk management, RegTech, technology platforms that help financial institutions comply with things like AML and KYC, you know, anti-money laundering and know-your-customer rules, as well as fraud detection. There's cybersecurity and wealth tech. These are platforms that offer wealth management services like robo-advisors, trading platforms, portfolio management, and a whole lot more. There's digital lending, blockchain, crowdfunding, micropayments, smart contracts, payment processing, loyalty and rewards programs, digital identity management. If all this sounds interesting to you as an investment opportunity, put the politics aside. Take a look at the GlobalX FinTech ETF. The symbol is FinX. It invests in companies that are focused on the financial technology sector. It tracks the index global fintech thematic index. The Global X Fintech ETF, symbol FinX. If you're a financial advisor, check it out at globalxetfs.com. If you're not a financial advisor, talk to your advisor about it.
Where do you store your important documents? How do you keep track of what you have or where it is? Use Presidio, the digital vault where you can collect, protect, and share all your important people, places, things, and documents with all the key people in your life. What you have and where you have it. You'll always know where your valuable information is kept, and you can easily and securely share your info anytime with anyone you choose. Try Presidio free today at presidio.com. That's P-R-I-S-I-D-I-O dot com. Presidio. That's it for today. A reminder that the latest episode of Gene's podcast came out yesterday. It may just make a healthy difference in your life. You can listen to Gene's show wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll find the link in today's show notes. Enjoy the weekend. See you Monday. The truth about your future with Rick Edelman has been brought to you by Global X ETFs, dedicated to providing investors with unexplored intelligent solutions, and by Invesco QQQ. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ, Invesco Distributors, Inc., and by Presidio, offering a digital vault where you can collect, protect, and share all your important people, places, things, and documents with all the key people in your life. Start for free at Presidio.com. Get the truth about your future with Rick Edelman. It's the truthayf.com.